This podcast is marketing material for a South Africa investment professional only. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining the monthly Global Markets Perspective podcast for South African investors. Uh, Today, I'm delighted to be joined by multi-asset fund manager Michael Devereaux. Michael co-manages our Section 65 approved flexible multi-asset fund here in South Africa, the Schroeder Global Managed Growth Fund, uh, available on major platforms across the country. Uh, If you've got any requests, questions, you'd like some more information on the fund, then then please do not hesitate to contact your usual Schroeder's representative. We're going to spend the next 15 minutes or so discussing the outlook for global investment markets and touching on uh, some identifiable opportunities from here. Uh, So good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, Phil, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Absolutely agreed. Um, In our last episode, Michael, we we spoke about Omicron. Uh, It was rattling markets. It was rattling many global growth outlooks as well, uh, following the announcement uh, of the new variant here in South Africa last November. Um, There were restrictions on uh, movements, slowing PMIs, uh, further disruptions in supply chains, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what has been the impact of these reactions from global policymakers? And and my second part to the question is, has this created any specific opportunities for you as a result? Thanks, Phil. So, on your first question, I think the part the response of policymakers worldwide has been different. You know, it's clear that although the COVID twenty twenty playbook showed us that policymakers are capable of extreme action. I think we've seen something different this time coming out from Omicron. And now that's partly because of the vaccination rates that we've seen um, being achieved in many developed economies. Um, Unfortunately for many emerging economies, they haven't managed to achieve a high enough level of vaccination yet for and, and have had to do more serious locking down. But in we really have seen a much more uh, dispersed response from global policymakers. So, you know, if I contrast what's happening in China, their zero COVID regime has been in place since 2020, um, is very much exactly the same as before, compared to, say, the UK, where mask wearing in public transport only recently became uh, compulsory. And I've said that's due to the that's due to the very the the, the, the scattered um, vaccination rates we've seen around the world, and really that also has um, that that's also really driven what how markets have responded in that manner. Um, you know, we had this initial knee jerk effect of all risky assets like equities selling off. We had uh, bond yields dropping rapidly. And that, those knee-jerk effects were actually, you know, they started off end of November with the discovery of the Omicron variant. And by December to early January, a lot of those effects um, appeared to have dissipated somewhat. We had equities coming back, particularly the S&P, coming back to its all-time or making new all-time highs. We had uh, some development of bond yields rapidly repricing higher again. So... If I were to be crude, it would to say as if financial markets had largely looked through the, uh, the the impacts of the Omicron variant, believing it to be fairly temporary and um, without major disruption. 
I think what is going to what's interesting and the opportunities um, that we could look forward to in 2022 is if Omicron if Omicron does turn out to have say issues with the supply chain, um, you know, just like the initial Delta variant did back in 2020, then we could be in for a period of uh, even more prolonged sticky inflation into 2022. And that would help that I think we think that that would help not only focus policymakers more on tightening policy, but also um, drive that uh, nascent rally we've seen in value versus growth further further onwards. So value versus growth has been in fits and starts over 2021. We think that there is increasingly a tail risk that um, that that value versus growth could march higher along with yields and policy tightening this year. Very interesting, and and no doubt previous listeners would have uh, would, would tilt their caps to our value fund managers, um, as as I'm sure you guys are uh, within the multi asset team. Um, you, you've mentioned inflation here and the policymakers' potential impacts. Um, be- before I move on to the developed versus emerging market dif- di- divergence in uh, in policy response, um, stagflation was the word that was brought up in in last the, uh, the last month's episode. Um, particular quote, uh, elevated levels of inflation are likely to be with us for the foreseeable future. Um, could you run through short-term versus long-term impacts of this uh, of this expectation? And I'd also tilt uh, any of our listeners to uh, to Asset TV for Michael's recent uh, presentation on there, where where they talk uh, in great detail on this subject. Thanks, Bill. You know, we just had we just had our monthly um, multi-asset research meeting this morning, and something that I didn't have seen before is that our economists now see um, it, they they have a scenario chart versus their base case, and three out of their scenario, three out of five scenarios, they see that could impact the global economy are firmly tilted in that stagflationary direction of higher inflation and lower growth risk. So it, it's interesting to see this probability having climbed um, climbed up a lot recently. In the short term, the impact of stagflation to me is fairly straightforward. The fear of higher rates um, and lower growth will have adverse effects on risky assets. And particularly here, I'm thinking of expensive speculative tech tech names that have done very well in a low growth, low yield environment, and now stand to lose the most because of their sensitivity um, to the discount rate moving higher. At the same time, uh, th- this is also again a straightforward play on cheaper areas of the markets, the ones that are most sensitive to um, to, to higher energy prices and higher bond yields. So here, I'm just putting it out there, the energy sector and the financial sector are fairly sensible places to be in, to play in the short term. Now, longer term, longer term, it's difficult for me to say that stagflation will be here um, with us for the entire year. The scenario that our economists are painting is that stagflation is a risk for this quarter and potentially the next one. But by the second half of 2022, we should really begin to see moderating effects of inflation and growth over the year. 
And the reason why is because uh, of a very simple um, effect in the inflation rate, which is base effects. Base effects are, are partly what cause inflation to spike up so high over the second half of 2021. And we also see the same effect in the opposite direction in the second half of this year. So although this sounds a bit silly because everyone knows this is coming to some degree, um, we don't actually think markets price these things in until they happen. So we expect to see slightly lower inflation in 2022 from the highs we are seeing today. We expect to see growth slowing down um, from the high levels we've achieved back in quarter four 2021 and potentially this quarter as well. And the result of slowing growth and slowing inflation should be enough to calm down fears of stagflation, but also the fears of policymakers um, who are worried about both who are worried about having to control high inflation with tightening policy. So the setup for the first half of this year seems very different than the second half of the year. Thank you, Michael. Um, interesting point you made on uh, financials being an interesting place to be sh on the short term. And we're seeing and hearing several comments tilting their caps towards that point in a raising rate environment as well. But interesting, and I wonder if you could elaborate on your comments around the energy sector as a short term play, given their performance last year as well. Sure. So the energy sector, um, as many of our listeners know, has done very well over 2021. The question is, can they continue that performance in 2022? Um, of course, it's much harder to see that same effect, mainly because the oil price has gone up so much over 2021 already. So over this year, it's hard for me to say that we will experience the same level of stellar gains. Um, but what I can say is that if we if we think very simply about oil demand and supply, then the market does continually seem to be in an area of deficit. Um, and if the impact of Omicron is mild, as our base case suggests, then demand oil demand will also not be hit greatly. Um, there was at one point where oil fell from about eighty dollars a barrel to around seventy, below seventy, and the estimated the, the assumptions you would need um, to, for, for that price of below 70 to clear suggested no air travel uh, basically over, over 2022 and 23, which seemed, uh, seemed a bit over, or overdone in our view. So we do have some exposures to um, energy stocks in US and Europe. We think that they're a good play to hold on to for now because we think the oil price can move higher. However, it would be foolish of me to say we can expect the same gains um, over 2022 as we did last year. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the second half this year does promise to, to, to give us um, a different playbook and a different asset allocation. Certainly supportive from this morning's news on Airbus versus Boeing and the, uh, the demand for, uh, for, for new aircraft around the globe continues to, uh, to, continues to boom. Um, no, very interesting. Thank you. Um, you. You mentioned in the previous point, central banks um, clearly been paying very close attention to what's going on in the inflation space. Uh, some have been responsive, some haven't. There's been more patience evident in developed markets versus emerging markets. Um, what are the expectations 
uh, to policy adjustments over the short term? And, and what would be there for the impacts on your asset allocation uh, within your funds? So in the short term, it's quite clear that basically every central bank on the planet is leaning towards tightening policy. Um, you know, the, the Bank of Canada is pricing in around five rate hikes this year. The Fed, people are moving towards three to four rate hikes. Um, it, it's, it, it's clearly become aggressive. I think the question really here is, well, are we going to see over-tightening? Um, are they going to overdo it this year? Um, and, and with every day that goes past, the more bond yields go up, the more that I feel this is the case. Now, that's my view. It doesn't mean that things can't things can't go further in the short term. So I believe the narrative right now, at least for this quarter and possibly the next one, is very much that um, tightening financial conditions are in the driver's seat. Policymakers will focus on inflation going up, but also the fact that labor markets, at least in DM world, do seem to be pretty tight. Um, and does does warrant this pullback in emergency accommodation. We have to remember that global interest rates, particularly on the long end, are still at very low levels. Um, and this is particularly the case if we think of them in real terms, minusing inflation. They're still at very low levels. Policy is still very accommodative, so some pullback there is warranted. Um, in the short term, how this means we're positioned is, again, we're very much um, underweight duration in the portfolios. We have a we, we have a tilt in value right now versus growth. So we are looking to ride out the storm right now in tightening financial conditions and looking for looking for higher bond yields. We think that they can go a little further, um, you know, in the US 10 year roughly we're expecting a number close to 2%, just under. So that, that's really the ballpark we're looking for before um, changing, our, changing our views. Okay, and in, and in that case, obviously there was a contrast between emerging markets and developed markets performance last year um, in the EM uh, underperforming developed equivalents significantly. Do, do you see an opportunity from here? And um, as re referenced in your monthly fund updates, specifically on global managed growth here in South Africa. Um, what, what are your views on taking advantage of the debt opportunities from emerging markets in high yield? Do they still offer suitable or significant enough upside? I think this is a this is a great point because it goes to show again, we need selectivity um, when it comes to asset classes. So with emerging market debt, we are looking. We're we're very much looking for signs that um, that 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 EM central banks are are reaching the peak in their tightening cycle. Remember that EM central banks were much more guarded against rises in inflation initially, back in 2021. We've already seen various rate hikes go through in Brazil, in Russia. Um, and even Mexico, to, to give a couple of examples, uh, notably not Turkey, that's not favoured at all. Um, but th this does mean we're reaching points now where thinking about some of the yield differentials we're getting uh, compared to the developed world or even the US, some of these emerging markets do look attractive. 
if we start to see inflation peaking, which we are in some economies. So we do see increasingly an opportunity to invest in emerging market debt, um, particularly of the local variety. And one of the ways that we could do it is um, is accessing some of our Schroeder emerging market experts in the debt space. On the high yield side, um, we still we still have positions. We hold a small position in Asian high yield and European high yield, both of which we still we're still holding on for now. But increasingly, as interest rates go up, um, high yield is not is is known to is known to be the canary in the coal mine. So high if if we do see trouble in risky assets, then it's going to come from high yield first. So I think we did favor high yield over last quarter. I think I'm moderating that view a little. And I probably would not be looking to add to high yield, whereas EMD local to me does seem to be the more attractive opportunity with those higher EM rates on offer. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Michael, and, and for your time today. Uh, in summary, it sounds like opportunities remain for selective asset allocation, um, and it's increasingly important, as it always is, to keep a close eye on these policymakers and macro news and the opportunities that are therefore created. Um, to, to our listeners, thank you for joining us um, for the first in this year's series, uh, and we look forward to engaging with you further in 2022. Many thanks indeed. Many thanks. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up, and investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance and may not be repeated. Schroeder's Investment Management Limited is an authorized financial services provider. FSP number 48998, registration number 01893220, incorporated in England and Wales. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation. Any funds, services or products mentioned might not be appropriate for all listeners. Please speak to a financial advisor if you are unsure as to the suitability of any investment. This podcast does not constitute an offer to anyone or a solicitation by anyone to subscribe for shares of Schroeder International Selection Fund. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice and is therefore not a recommendation to buy or sell shares. An investment in the company entails risks, which are fully described in the prospectus. Subscriptions for shares of the company can only be made on the basis of its latest key investor information document and prospectus, together with the latest audited annual report, copies of which can be obtained free of charge from Schroeder's Investment Management, South Africa. Disclosures and risk factors. Collective investment schemes are generally medium to long-term investments. The value of participatory interest or the investments may go down as well as up. Past performance is not necessarily a guide to future performance. Collective investment schemes are traded at ruling prices and can engage in borrowing and script lending. A schedule of fees and charges and maximum commissions is available on request from the manager. The manager does not provide any guarantee either with respect to the capital or the return of a portfolio. The manager has a right to close the portfolio to new investors in order to manage it more efficiently in accordance with its mandate.